This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. So much to get to in this episode today. United States Men's Open Preview. We're going to touch on Liv. Mad Golfer of the Week, Nick Rules. We got a special guest. Before we get to any of that, I want to remind you, please... Please, Nick, this is important. They have to rate and review the podcast. They, We give this to them every week for free. The least the patrons can do is rate and review the podcast. Wherever you listen, give us five stars. Give us your U.S. Open predictions. We're not going to give you anything for it this time around. You all were way too good predicting the PGA Champions- Championship, so we're taking a break from that for this. Nick, I digress. Go ahead. What did you want to say? Well, you, you 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 put me on the spot there with the Nick rules. I I was looking up something very specific to the country club, oh, no. and maybe maybe we'll just have more of a conversation. I couldn't find a hard and fast rule, but we do have a pretty a pretty knowledgeable rules guest today. So I'm sure Dave can also shed some light on this situation. Uh, maybe what he would do in one of the tournaments that he's running if this particular situation were to happen. Um, so it's, it's maybe not a traditional Nick rules. I just going to kind of warn the fans since you kind of built it up there. I, you know, I'd hate to let them down at the end. Well, let's bring in our guest right now. The returning champ, chief membership and head of experience for the, the Flyers Club, Dave McAdams. Dave, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Yeah, guys, uh, it's been a good, uh, uh, obviously uh, good to follow along with, with the, at the turn and what you guys have had going on. Um, last time I was on, it was 2019, I think and COVID-19 didn't even exist. So, uh, it's been, it's been a long, strange journey as, as they say, right? Well, we are back and we're going to focus primarily on the United States open at the country club in Brookline, Massachusetts. You have a connection to the course, you know it quite well. We'll get into all that. Pick some winners. Before we do it, though, tell us about the Flyers Club and how we can travel to the international golf destinations you work with. I went on the website, and it looks pretty spectacular. 
Yeah, no, thanks. Um, so uh, the Flyers Club, uh, it's an international golf society and brand. Uh, it's a members club. Uh, we have 500 members around the world. It's kind of a new age twist on, you know, golf societies and, and, and community, really. Um, there's no pretentiousness. We don't really care what club you belong to or, or anything like that. It's just about kind of who you are as a person and as a golfer. And um, that's what's most important to us is bringing those people together, uh, like-minded people who, you know, kind of appreciate the game, its history, its nuance uh, in the right way and, and, you know, kind of have a desire to discover and, and travel. Um, so we have a lot of stuff going on uh, outside of the membership and community. We do international golf travel, domestic experiences for our members, uh, digital content, curated merchandise, brand partnerships. Uh, so it's a lot of fun and uh, it's a great group to be a part of and uh, excited to see where, where we can kind of go, uh, you know, with, with, uh, with, with the club and the brand. No uh, pun intended with the uh, with the Flyers Club name, but it sounds like you're racking up the uh, frequent flyer miles. Like, where, where are all these places you're going? Just just in 2022, you're rattling them off before we were on the air. Uh, yeah, so so the Flyers uh, obviously is a, is a play on words for golf, uh, and, and we we use the term or the you know the hashtag travel further. Uh, a lot you know flyer lie is obviously uh, you know a, a ball that's sitting in such a way that it's going to travel further than intended. So. We try and be cheeky in, in certain uh, certain moments for sure, and uh, we're an international golf society, so we're not uh, certainly you know not just here in the U.S. We have members all across the world, and we try and travel to pretty much anywhere that you can think of that has a world class golf experience. So Ireland, Scotland, England, uh, Portugal, Spain, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, uh, you know places across Europe. Uh, we'll be at Cabot in, in September. Uh, yeah, so we, we kind of, uh, we, we definitely like to see, uh, a lot of, you know, really unique parts of, of the world and use golf as that conduit to, to make it happen, uh, certainly for our team, but for our members as well. And those who are, who are in our, our community. And if folks want to find out more, they can go to the flyers Definitely. You guys are doing some cool stuff there. Yeah, thank you. Dave, what is your connection to the country club? in Brooklyn, Massachusetts, because you've played this course, you know about this course, the area, a lot about it. Can you fill the folks in and kind of your connection to it? Yeah. So, um, I've been fortunate to play it, uh, certainly a few times over the years. And, uh, I think my connection is more to, uh, Francis we met who obviously is, you know, arguably one of the, you know, on the Mount Rushmore of, of golfers, uh, started the, the American golf boom back in 1913 when he won the U S open. Uh, but he was a caddy there at, at the country club and, you know, he got his start in the game the same way that I got my start and, uh, was fortunate to be a, we met scholar, which is a, a second largest golf scholarship fund in the country behind the Evans, which is kind of Midwest based. And they do a lot of great work for, uh, you know, students who are going on to second, secondary education in, in college and providing resources for, uh, for those who are, you know, you know, studying to, to help pay for, you know, obviously the, the expenses of college, which are, are growing exponentially. Um, so I was fortunate to, uh, to become a WeMet scholar while I was in, uh, in college. And then uh, after I graduated, uh, ended up actually working for the WeMet Fund uh, for a few years and getting to learn about their organization and, and all the inner workings of how they fundraise and put on events and, and in some ways create community, uh, you know, through people who have an affinity for Francis and, and the history and kind of what he's meant to the game. So uh, really cool to be a part of that. And that's actually how I, I first got to play the country club, uh, was through some, some outings. Uh, this, they do every year, this, this, uh, Anders outing at TCC 
and it's kind of a, a you know where you get old caddies together and and people who would kind of come up through the ranks there and uh, I was able to play as part of the We Met Fund, uh, which is really cool. And, you know, it's, it's just great to have that connection to, to Francis and what he's meant to the game, what he's meant to Massachusetts and golf. Uh, it's something pretty special that I'm certainly proud of. And, and you know, the thousands of scholars that are across the country and, and world now uh, are super proud of as well. So I think this will be a special week uh, coming up with, with the Open. And you'll hear that name a lot. Uh, you'll see it a lot. And uh, I think it's it's only right, you know, to be able to uh, pay respect to to somebody who is so important to the game. Dave, I have to ask before I forget, what did you think of Shia LaBeouf's performance as Francis we met in the greatest game ever played? I'm surprised how much I enjoyed that movie. I think it's actually pretty well done. It's a fantastic movie. Uh, the book by Mark Frost is so good. Um, and actually, the, the We Met Fund uh, had a lot to do with with that book and, and the history and kind of curating some of uh, of the the tales that were included there. Uh, Bob Donovan, who was the executive director when I was there, is just has got such a keen eye for history and and you know was really proud to you know to lead that organization for a long time. And uh, I just remember hearing some of the stories about Shia going to Golf House down in, in Norton and and you know the the directors and some of the other actors meeting with with you know the, the people who would you know, could kind of give firsthand experience of what Francis was like. And um, so I thought the movie was great. I thought the book was, was fantastic. Uh, but I'm, I'm a sucker for like Bagger Vance. I love, um, you know, any kind of golf movie that's not super cheesy, I can get, you know, get, get into. So uh, maybe I'm not the right person to ask, but uh, by all accounts, it was great. Nick, I got to follow up real quick. Happy Gilmore or Caddyshack, Dave. What's, what do you like more? Oh man. It's tough to go against Caddyshack, uh, but they're both, if they're on TV, I'll stop what I'm doing and certainly tune in for, for a little bit. It was on like three days ago, actually, and I was just sitting on my couch laughing. Uh, at, at It's like you always pick up different things. Can't lose. Uh, yeah. You, you cannot lose. It, it's, it's a just very so diplomatic answer there. <laughs> I, I got to ask, my, my after hearing all of like your experiences and, and just being on the grounds at the country club and knowing some of the history that, that's gone on there, I what is it like being on the grounds? Because I liken it to when you're in high school and you go over to meet your girlfriend's parents for the first time and you're like, okay, don't do this. Don't do that. Like you have to be in your best behavior. Do anything except for be yourself. Like what is it like when you actually step on those grounds and you know the history that's gone on there and how exclusive this country club is and how, you know, how it was founded and how it's evolved and the names that have come through and impacted, you know, just that one club? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And, and I think um... – from the outside, it can probably seem like it's really, you know, you're walking on eggshells and it can be really stuffy. Um, but I've never had that experience when I've, I've been there. Um, and, you know, I think golf is, is so great where it's, it's able to kind of kind of make those those bridges. And, and when you get on, on the grounds of a place like TCC, such a great caddy program. Uh, the staff is tremendous, world-class staff. They make you feel like like you belong there uh, when, when you are there, at least in, in, in my experience. Um, and I think some of the, maybe the feelings of, of that, it's probably external uh, where people kind of build it up and, and they, they feel like, okay, I'm going to the country club and there's so much history and, and what should I do or say, but ultimately you're just there as a golfer. You're there to play golf and, and enjoy yourself and, and recreate. And, you know, I think for me, that's been my experience. Uh, I've never had any feelings of, of, you know, not being welcome there and, and feeling like I shouldn't, you know, I was out of place. 
you go into a place like the men's grill and, and the locker room and, you know, so much charm and, and, and history in there and, and it's on the walls and, and you can kind of feel, it feels a little different. Like, like it feels like it's, it's important. It has an important place in, in the game, but ultimately like everyone's in there, people are having a drink, you know, just, you know, guys are showering down the hall and, and, you know, just, it's just a regular kind of place. So I think, I think a lot of that, you know, build up and, and, you know, any kind of that nervousness that's, that people feel is, is probably, is kind of probably put into their, their own heads in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. The membership is, is so exclusive there. Um, Tom Brady, the, as, as far as I can tell, as a, as a transplant to Massachusetts is, the president of Massachusetts, if there is such a thing, took him two years uh, to, to get membership there. Uh, do you have a Brady Giselle, the country club uh, anecdote yeah. for us? Uh, I, I do. Um, and so it was actually a secondhand story uh, that was that was told to me. Um, and I heard it for the first time. Let's let that uh, tale grow. <laughs> yeah. So I heard it for the first time, actually, when I was I was over on the Primrose uh, the Primrose Nine, which is uh, the the additional nine holes, it's not part of the the Clyde and Squirrel routing that the members typically play. Um, it's kind of a smaller piece of property and, and you know smaller nine holes, uh, but they use it to kind of create the composite course. They'll they'll combine some combine some holes and, and whatnot. So uh, I was actually fortunate to put on a drive, chip, and putt regional final there um, a, a number of years ago, and we did it down on the Primrose nine so uh we're down there kind of getting some stuff up and doing some advanced work and and uh somebody you know kind of came over and and we were standing you know in, in this fairway where you could see a lot of the houses that were off in the distance and somebody came over and uh said you know that's tom brady's house over there and i said oh you know that's really cool i, I knew he lived on on property and you know was kind of joining you know or, or considering joining or you know going through the process and and they said, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty neat. Um, you know, but, but the, the best story that I, that I've heard and I'll, I'll tell you, uh, they said this actually doesn't concern Tom Brady at all. And I said, oh, I'd love to hear it. So apparently it was, uh, kind of, you know, one beautiful summer, summer day. And, uh, there was a junior clinic taking place out on the primrose. So obviously they're trying to find a little corner of the property where they're not going to disrupt the member play. And there's a bunch of, of, you know, youth youth out, out there uh, getting ready to, to learn golf and uh, you know that point it was basically at the same point that we were standing that that day where the story was told to me and uh you know it's it's clear and, and again you can see brady's house there's no like big hedges or trees that are kind of blocking the, the view of his house it's very clearly you can you can see the backyard and everything so the kids are out there and uh you know obviously when you're you know, you're, you're a New Englander, you're, you know, Tom Brady lives within earshot of, of where you are. There's certainly some buzz that, that goes, goes with that. And probably a little bit of, of gawking, uh, maybe trying to get a glimpse of, of the goat, you know, if you will, kind of out in his, in his backyard grazing. Uh, but, but this day it was actually, um, his wife, Giselle, who, who made an appearance and, uh, was intent on doing some sunbathing and obviously dressed appropriately, uh, for, for sunbathing as, as one would. And all of a sudden, you know, these kids are kind of milling around waiting and, and out comes Giselle from the, from the back and, and out to the grass. And all of a sudden, all these kids who were probably, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old, pull their rangefinders out of their bags. 
and just like laser lock, like, you know, like when you've got the rangefinder and it's like the nice one where you shoot the pin and it buzzes. Like I just pictured them like all like, like target <laughs> rangers, like fixed on Giselle out in the backyard, walking, getting ready to, to sunbathe. And, you know, their chaperone was like, put the kibosh on it immediately. Like, Get those things away. Like we're not, you know, we're not going to get a lawsuit for you guys out here trying to, uh, to catch a, a glimpse of, of Giselle. So uh, That's it, incredible. I, anytime I'm, I'm there or people talk about Brady joining the country club, it's like, I always think about that story. Uh, it's just so, it's just so funny. It's like typical, like red blooded, you know, young boys, uh, you know, a- adolescence at its, at its best, if you will. It, so, it ticks all the boxes. Yeah, it re- it really does. So it's kind of a kind of a funny story and something that I always I always think about at at TCC um, or when I when I think about TCC. So, well, get into some of the stats about the golf course. Uh, like you mentioned, um, it's one of the five charter clubs that founded the United States Golf Association. This will be the fourth U.S. Open that it's hosted. Most recently in 1988. That was won by Curtis Strange over uh, Nick Faldo in a playoff, most famously in 1913 by Francis. We met, obviously. So it's had six U.S. amateurs, three U.S. women's ams, and the 1999 Ryder Cup. Um, that was famous for a couple of reasons. The awful shirts the American team wore on Sunday and that yep. crazy comeback that they had. Um, Justin Leonard famously making that long putt, running around on the green. Um, so pretty well-known club for that. Um but something I, w- I was curious about, Dave, you know, we, we talk about all the history with this golf course, all these big events, these famous events. Um, do you think this tournament is going to represent a reappreciation for this course? Because most sort of the casual to, you know, less than diehard fans probably don't know a ton about it. Or do you think it's going to remain sort of in this tertiary rotation I mean, it's hosted one big event this century. This is the fourth U.S. Open. So it's kind of a important, but sort of on the outer rotation of hosting these major events. Do you think that's the place it's going to live in? Or is this going to be something where it's like, wow, this course is spectacular. We got to get it in the main road. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's tough to say without knowing all of the, the intimate workings of kind of what goes on behind the scenes. Um you know, with the USGA and, and kind of how they, they're selecting courses. Obviously, you've got some anchor sites like uh, Pinehurst, obviously, um, you know, which has announced a bunch of years that they're going to be hosting and the USGA headquarters going there. You've got, you know, places like Pebble Beach and Shinnecock and Oakmont. And, you know, it, I think those courses are the kind of the name brand ones that people think when they think about the US Open. Um, but, I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find more excitement and more, Kind of defining moments in in the championships history than than what TCC has been able to to produce. Never mind all the other kind of USGA and, and even PGA of America history that's that's gone on there. Um, so I hope that it does kind of get into that conversation of man, why don't we have this event here every you know ten years, um, which you know has every right to be in that rotation. Um, but again, it may be something where the club doesn't want to, to have that because it is quite an undertaking to, to do it. Um, you know, as, as maybe you've read or, or heard about, you know, just kind of the composite course and what that takes and the infrastructure build out. And there's a golf course adjacent to it, Robert Lynch, which is the municipal golf course in Brookline, which basically has to shut down and they host, you know, different kind of like media centers and merchandise and everything that goes into hosting a championship. Um, you know, sometimes like, the USGA may say, yeah, we'll come here every five years if you'll have us, but 
the club may not want it. So without knowing all of those kind of conversations and, and the things that go into it, it's, it's tough to say, but the golf course hands down is worthy of having this championship uh, quite frequently. And, you know, I think the, the Clyde and squirrel layout, which the members play, which, which I mentioned uh, it's a great golf course, but when they add in the, the composite uh, as they did, I believe the first time was in 63, the year that Julius, Julius Boros beat uh, Arnold Palmer and Jackie Cuppet. Um, but that, that really changes things for, for, for the golf course. And it makes it a championship caliber golf course. Um, you know, like for instance, like the primrose, the first hole in the primrose is this nice, like gentle bending dog leg par four down a hill, little teeny green, there's water behind it and another green, which is part of another hole. Well, like they take that first green that's traditional on the primrose out of play. And now you're playing to the, to the green that's behind it. You're going over water. It's a small target. There's rough everywhere. And then the next hole is this crazy par five that goes up a hill and they've combined a couple holes to do that and like making new tee boxes. And um, it's just, it's going to be a stout test of golf. And I think that's what the U S open needs. Um, they like to have that mix of kind of the really prestigious upper echelon clubs, but then also the public access clubs, which is where places like Torrey Pines and Pebble beach and Pinehurst come in. Um, you know, so I, I hope that people really appreciate the country club. I hope it brings in a new appreciation for this younger generation of like during this golf boom, um, which is there's some parallels there with Francis perhaps and, and, and his win. Um, but yeah, I mean, a hundred percent, it should be in the conversation of the greatest golf courses that we have in, in the country and, you know, worthy ones that are, that should be hosting this championship uh, pretty frequently. So, uh, so, let, let's appreciate it for what it is when we get the chance to to see it and if we get the chance again to see it you know this this decade or in the next decade or two that's great but but we really don't have anything else you know major coming up on the schedule so let's just enjoy it while we get it yeah certainly for for those here in, in new england uh it's going to be pretty pretty neat um you know again we haven't had that here since since the Ryder cup in 99 um you know i think in terms of the golf courses we have here, a lot of times it's tough to find places with that infrastructure that can host it. Um, so many classic golf courses, there's not a lot of room for driving ranges, you know, driving ranges were barely built, uh, you know, in, in the times when these courses were, were being built. So we have a lot of challenges in terms of being able to host these major championships. So certainly, yeah, when we, we get the chance to experience it, uh, we certainly should. And, and I think people will be out in droves. Uh, I know they cap the tickets a bit, but, I expect uh, it to be pretty, pretty ruckus crowd and, uh, you know, people kind of enjoying uh, that major championship and that, that big golf event uh, opportunity for the first time in, in over 20 years. I remember, Dave, when I was a kid, the narrative with U.S. Opens was always fairways and greens. This is a golf tournament anybody can win. It's kind of changed in the last couple of decades. If you look at the last five U.S. Open winners, Rom, Bryson, Gary Woodland, Kepka, Dustin Johnson. It's like basically the long drivers of the PGA Tour. Yeah. Everything I read about the country club is this place got some tiny greens, long, rough. It's a different kind of golf course. This is a place where a short hitter could thrive. I, I mean, maybe not somebody who's hitting a 275 short hitter, um, like a, like a Fred Funk of, of, you know, years past. Sure. Um, but I think somebody who can move it out there, kind of middle of the pack, who can be precise with their irons, who has a strong short game, uh, who, who is either a very good putter or maybe gets hot for the week. 
I think absolutely somebody can can contend uh, without having to hit it 340 off off the tee. Uh, and I think because of the green sizes, because of the rough, uh, I think it is going to be penal. And and I do envision that it will probably be, in my opinion, the winning score will be close to par. Uh, I think it's I think it's always played tough. Uh, I want to say maybe the year Curtis Strange won, he was single digit under par. Um, but generally, it's been like, you know, really, really tough uh, to score around around the country club. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 not. I wouldn't say it's exactly a bombers course, even though it's going to play probably seventy four, seventy five hundred yards, and I would imagine a par seventy. Um, you know, but like today for for today's golfers, that's you know for for the guys on the PGA Tour, that's kind of run of the mill almost. Um, you know, so I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think length always helps. But you definitely are going to have to be hitting it in the short stuff more often than not. And when you do miss going into the greens, you're going to have to have a pretty deft short game to uh, to be able to you know to salvage pars and and uh, you know not get too beat up and and lose the tournament that way. All right, the live news has been way too fast and furious to try to like do on a podcast that's going to come out. Folks, we're recording this on a Wednesday. Uh, before the open so we're not even gonna try a lot of guys have defected it was announced that Patrick Reed Bryson are gonna play in the U.S. events DJ's over there doing press conferences all kinds of stuff is going on Um, what's germane to this podcast is these guys are gonna get to play in the U.S. open so the USGA's come out basically said hey look we don't care these guys are gonna play we can't take it away they've already been exempt guys who are exempt or qualified so they're gonna play Tiger is out that sucks. He's still going to try to play in St. Andrews at the open next month, but he's not going to play in this event. I thought it would be fun if we rip through the names of the teams for live golf. So in addition to all these guys playing for folks that are not familiar, there is a team format, which they're really trying to push and and make exciting. Um, And their whole motto is golf, but louder, which is really interesting when you see these names that are so boring and so vanilla it's almost excruciating. So, guys, what I want to do real quick is just run through each of these and we'll say good, bad, or terrible for each. Does that sound like the right way to approach it? Yeah, sure. Okay. So the first one is Dustin Johnson's. It is called Four Aces. Nick, good, bad, or terrible? Uh, bad. Dave? Bad. I'll say bad. The next one. You know, I got to appreciate there's kind of like a, a- – a pun in there, you know, four aces. It's like a poker reference. It's yeah, it's like fine. Golf reference, you know. Ace so, golf. yeah, yeah. They get worse. They might have the best logo. I mean, arguably, it's it's up there. It's a little bit like Atlanta Braves meets something else. So, like, I like the entendre of the four within the A. Like, that kind of gets me at least. Like, okay, there was some thought that went into this, but yeah, probably certainly not from DJ. <laughs> certainly not. The next one from Graham McDowell, Niblix. Nick, what do you think of Niblix? Good. Dave? I mean, what's louder than a, than a Niblick? Uh, I got to say terrible. <laughs> I'll split the difference and say bad. Um, it's not great. I get it, old-timey reference, but like, I feel like Graham McDowell just Googled old golf terms, and Niblick was what he settled on, and that's how he came up with it. Did he come up with it, though? Did the, so, Okay, so that, that's an interesting question. Did these guys pick these team names, or were these teams assigned to them? They probably at least had veto power over the name. But I thought the captain didn't... made the name. Is that is that not how it worked? I, they sound I like intramural basketball team names. Yeah, like the best thing I saw was like, 
you know, either like minor league baseball teams or like when you go to the create a team mode and like one of the, you know, like an EA sports game, the default, like th- these are what they are like yeah. from the logos to the colors to the names. Yeah. Like I would love to know what the, um, you know, like the, the brand, you know, kind of consultants or like marketing company that they use for these because yeah. it is wild, wild stuff. Okay. Let's try to rip through these. The next one is Ian Poulter Majestics. Terrible. Nick. <clears throat> Terrible. Uh, so I think it's bad, but only because I can't, the way that they've spelled it, I keep singing 50 cents magic stick. Yeah. So they spelled it M-A-J-E-S-T-I-C-K-S, Majestics. I think it's terrible only because this is an all-English team. You have so many opportunity for puns. What I would have settled on is God Save the Green. Mm. Uh, yeah, there you go. How about like Union Jacks? See, like exactly. Jolly something. Rogers, you can go anywhere yeah. with this. It's very Come disappointing. On, guys. All right, the next one is Kevin Na. Ironheads. Nick, what do you think of Ironheads? That's terrible. Terrible. <laughs> Three terribles there. Louis Oosthuizen, Stinger. Nick, what do you think of Stinger? It's it's terrible. There's no creativity. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a random golf word. It's it's a cool golf shot. It's a terrible name for a golf team. Like Stinger Golf, and they put GC behind all these names, which I think they're trying to do like a like a soccer theme with the FC. Mm. Um, but it's terrible all around in my, in my opinion. And the logo, I appreciate the hustle with it. They tried to make it like a scorpion tail or something, but it looks like an intestine. <laughs> so I like, think that's bad, bad, bad unanimous, bad. terrible for Louis Oosthuizen. All right. If someone can explain this one, I would be impressed. This is two time major champion, two time major champion, Martin Keimer cliques, cliques. It's an old, it's an old golf club. I mean, thank you. If, Dave, if save Francis, us, Dave. if Francis we met was alive today, he would either be Team Niblick or Team Cleek. There's no doubt about it. Um, Not Team Spoon. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. Yeah, spoons, jigger, mashy, yeah, mashy, mashy Niblick. You've got all, you know, you've got it all. Uh, I don't know why they landed on two of those type of clubs, um, but hey. I'm gonna I'm gonna are. give it a bad only because it doesn't it incur I learned a new golf term today, and so there is some redeeming quality, so therefore it can't be terrible. <laughs> Dave? Oh, uh terrible. I'm gonna go bad. I'm with Nick. All right. The next one is Peter Uline. Crushers. Nick, what do you think of crushers? It's not good enough. I'm gonna say bad. Actually, I'm gonna say terrible. It's it's not <laughs> no no zero creativity there. Bad. Bad for me. Yep. I got bad. All right. Here he is. Six-time major champion. Lefty. 51-year-old Phil Mickelson. High Flyers. High is spelled H-I and then Flyers. That's the best Phil Mickelson could come up with. Nick, your thoughts? It's it's bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm personally offended uh, and, and scared that people will actually equate Flyers Club with the High Flyers, uh, total different way to spell it. Thankfully, um, but yeah, it's 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 pretty bad. It looks like a it looks like a furry. Like the logo has almost got like looks like a wispy kind of mustache or like beard. Like I don't know what what they were trying to do with it, but it's it's bad. Yeah, I got bad as well. 
Sergio Garcia, team name, Fireballs. <laughs> Fireballs, Nick. It's it's not as terrible as some of the other ones. I'm going to say bad. I mean, if if it encourages a few people to take some shots of Fireball, that's a good thing. Um, so sure. we're going to go with bad. Is, is, this, is this the last one? We actually have three more after this, if you can believe Serious. it. Serious. Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, fire. it's actually, in my opinion, might be the best logo. It gives me a little bit of a major league vibe, um, you know, with, with Wild Thing. Um, but I'm going to say bad. But, like, in between bad and good. Like, if there's a good one, that might be it. I'll say bad for that one for Sergio. Uh, the next one, and I have to admit, I don't think I've ever heard of this golfer. Siwon Kim is a captain. And the team name he has, singular, Smash. Just Smash. That one's good. That one is good. Terrible. <laughs> I'll say I'll say bad. I don't think it's good or terrible. I'll say bad. I like that it's singular. That makes me think a little bit, but that's all I have for that. Two more to go. Taylor Gooch. Taylor Gooch. Torque. What do you think of Torque, Nick? Terrible. Terrible. It doesn't. It, it doesn't, terrible. It, 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 no. Yeah, no, it, just, it doesn't do anything. The last one, <laughs> Wade Ormsby, the captain, Wade Ormsby for Live Golf. Saving the best for last. <laughs> this, his team name is Punch. Punch. Nick, what do you think of Wade Ormsby's team name? Terrible. It's, terrible. What? Where did these come from? Like, it Wait. looks like a two-year-old went through a dictionary and just pointed to random words, and then those became the team names for this league. So there they are. By the time you're listening to this, the first Live Golf event will have likely completed, and I'm sure 50 other things, <laughs> major golf news has dropped since then. But if these guys are exempt, they can play in the U.S. Open. Best of luck to everybody involved. Guys, we have got to get to our winners. Are we are, are we ready to announce our US Open winners? We are nearly 35 minutes into this podcast. So, Dave, we've tried to prepare you as best as possible. How me and Nick do this because we're not very good at it. We give ourselves right in a hot streak. Well, I am right in a hot streak. I did identify Minji Lee as the winner of the US Women's Open, so nice I'm call. likely to get this one right as well, but we want to give ourselves the most opportunities to get it right. So, we pick a dark horse, a contender, and a winner. I'm going to start. I'm going to cheat right off the bat only because I wanted to get this guy's name in there. My dark, dark horse, 57-year-old Fran Quinn from Brookline qualified for the U.S. Open. I couldn't find odds on Fran, surprisingly, but he is my dark, dark horse to win. Awesome that he was able to get it done. I believe in 38 holes in qualifying. Yeah, he went to a playoff with a 17-year-old. That kid will have other opportunities. Let Frank, come on, come on, Fran, yeah. let's go. Fran, One for the old guys. Almost like Francis, you know, he's a local Ooh. guy. He's going to the country. I mean, you, you, you could be out of something there, Joe. Okay, I'm going to start with my dark horse. Francis. I wanted to have the balls to pick this guy to win, and I was mm. so close to doing it. I, I can't change now, but he is my dark horse. I found his odds at 65 to 1, which... I, I jumped on immediately. A little bit crazy. 23 in the world. He's won a couple times this season. He's social media darling. Everyone loves his golf swing. Max Homa. It feels like it's really time for him to actually contend 
in a major championship. He's always up there on the leaderboard, fellas. Sixty-five to one for for a guy ranked that high is is you know even if you just you can't can't turn it down. Got to do it. Yeah, my dark horse is a major champion. Uh, he was he was impacted by the anchoring ban, unfortunately, but his putting is is kind of kind of coming back lately. He's a top twenty five ball striker in the entire planet, number forty seven in the world. Keegan Bradley. I know it sounds crazy, but it he does. has three, he has three top tens this season. That's why he's a dark horse. I love he has it. five top fifteens. He's only missed one cut. He's always around for the weekend. Um, and like I said, putting was his biggest weakness. He has improved that, so we'll give him a chance as a dark horse. I love that for you. Dave, you got a dark horse for us? I do. I do. Um, so obviously uh, there's been some great amateur champions at the country club. Uh, Frankie O, 1913. Uh, amateur legend Jay Sigel won a title there. Matt Fitzpatrick, the last kind of major championship that was held there. Kelly Keeney, uh, legend of, of the women's game, won an amateur title there. Uh, so I'm going to go in the amateur ranks. And I'm going to really go Cinderella story, uh, greatest game ever played part two. And I'm going to pick Michael Thorbjornsson, yes. Wellesley, right down route nine, a couple towns over from Brookline. Uh, he is Stanford standout, absolute stud. Uh, he's a former U.S. junior AM champ. He beat Akshay Batia at, I think it was at Baltusrol. Um, and he was just an absolute clutch down the stretch. Uh, I think he made the cut at Pebble Beach in the U.S. Open. Uh, which he qualified for, which is pretty stout. Um, he is a 2021 Mass Am champ. He beat another USGA champ, Matt Parziali. They had this epic duel just down the road at Brayburn in Newton, uh, where Michael shot like 63, I think, in the first round, including concessions. And then he backed it up with like a 67 or something. It was like 14 under for two rounds, and like just toasted a guy who's arguably the best amateur player, you know, to come out of New England in the last, you know, Mel last little bit. So uh, I'm going with Michael Thorbjornsson. I think Thunder Bear is the translation for his last name uh, to pick up uh, the title at TCC and beat the best in the world like Francis did. Love that. Coming out hot, amateur dark horse. (laughs) My contender, number 10 in the world, three-time major champion. Oh, he loves to yell at the golf ball at 22 to 1. Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth. I haven't said his name for a while when talking about majors, but he's been circling the wagons. He's been circling the wagons, Nick. You think he could actually win? No, but no. I think he'll contend. I don't. Okay. I really don't think he's going to win. I think he'll contend, and that's why he's my contender. My contender, I, I don't, I don't really think he's going to win either. It's just more <laughs> of a gut feeling. A guy that I, I feel like he's he's kind of been knocking on the door. He's either going to take that next step or or he's not. A guy playing for some President's Cup points, rankings, pride. Abe answer. He's number 18 in the world. He did finish top 10 at the PGA Championship. He has three top 10s this year. He is a little hit or miss. He he misses a lot of cuts. Um, He doesn't have a ton of high finishes. But if he has the right week, um, he he could get it done. He's he's third in driving accuracy on the PGA Tour, which I think will definitely be helpful in a U.S. Open setup. So if Abe gets his game clicking, look for him to contend. I like that. Uh, I'm actually going with um, the person who arguably has the most championship experience on this golf course that they're going to play, and that's Matt Fitzpatrick. Mm -hmm. Uh, USAM champ 2013, he beat 
I think it was Ollie Goss, uh, Australian in the final. He's definitely not a long hitter to kind of the earlier discussion point, um, but he's long enough and he keeps it in play, which I think is going to be important to have a chance on Sunday. Um, you know, to your point earlier, like none of these guys have played this golf course. I mean, 88 was the last time, 99, you've got a couple guys in the field who play that, but even then it was different. And he's played under championship conditions. He's got the right kind of game. He's in good form. He just, he was just missed the playoff at Southern Hills. Uh, another demanding, you know, tricky golf course with undulating green. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the mix. Love that. Guys, I'm so confident in my winner. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have it be sponsored. This pick is brought to you by Piper Golf. Use promo code TURN10 at checkout at piper.golf for incredible savings on incredible golf balls. This dude has the tools in his toolbox to win a U.S. Open. Chipping, irons, two big balls this guy's got. I've picked him to win the Masters. Oh, was I close on the 11th tee. I really thought he had an opportunity to do it. Finish third, top 15 at the PGA Championship. Your player's champion. We're doing it one more time. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy at 14 to 1. Cam Smith. Let's go, baby. Let's go. I love how dedicated to that pick you are. As is Piper Golf. Promo code turn 10 at checkout. Piper is all in on that pick. If you're taking the guy who finished third in the Masters, I'm taking the guy who finished second. Rory McIlroy, all he had to do was get the first round monkey off his back. He goes out and shoots 65 in the first round of the PGA Championship. He didn't need to win that week. He just needed to prove to himself he can go out and grab a major on Thursday and not lose it over the weekend. I got him winning this week. Uh, Top 10s in both majors so far this year. He's number eight in the world. He's Rory McIlroy, and uh, nobody will be surprised if he wins the U.S. Open. Love it. I mean, you guys have said some really solid names. I mean, I, I jotted down like five different guys for my winner. Uh, Max Homa was one of them, Jordan Spieth, Cameron Smith, Rory. So I was like sniffing around, and I'm glad I didn't pick any of those guys that have been mentioned. Um, races. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of good golf being played by the top players right now, but there's also a lot of parity with emerging players, guys who've been in the mix lately who maybe aren't always around. Uh, I know one thing for sure, it's going to be decided in a playoff. Because yes. every open at TCC has been decided in the playoff. So, like, book that. If I could put a bet on it, I would. Um, obviously, a different format with the two-hole aggregate now instead of the 18-hole, which was which was uh, the you know, previous open format for playoffs. And I think the score is going to be around even par, long course, long rough, tricky greens. And I think it comes down to a solid ball striker, somebody who hits greens. But if they don't hit greens, they can get up and down. I think everyone's going to miss greens, you know, all, all week. Uh, need to be a historically good putter, but somebody who could get hot for the week, I think, starts to hear the break like musicians see notes. Um, I poured through the stats in terms of like strokes gained, and uh, somebody was showing up consistency in the upper tier, driving distance and accuracy, strokes gained putting and around the greens in his current form. I'm going with Billy Horschel. Mm. When he gets hot, wow. when he gets hot, he's hot. He won the FedEx Cup. You won back-to-back events. You get the Gator Chomp going on. Uh, he won a Memorial last week, relatively tough golf course. It wasn't crazy scores. Uh, he won by four strokes. So he's playing very well. And I think he beats a household name like a Patrick Cantlay, who's, you know, kind of got this similar game, but can't seem to get it done in the playoffs. So I'm going Billy Horschel. I love it. And Dave, I'm going to 
go off of your point that every U.S. Open at the country club has gone to a playoff, here are the names who have lost the playoffs at the country club. <laughs> Harry Varden, Ted Ray, Jackie Cupid, Arnold Palmer, and Nick Feldo. Some 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 pretty heavy hitters. Some pretty heavy hitters have lost a play. And there's only there's only been three of them. <laughs> there's only been three US Opens there. And all those guys have lost a playoff. So um, you know, we might get a, a Billy Horschel beating a Rory McElroy in a playoff. I mean, that, that's it's kind of setting up that way. hundred percent agree. Well, here on At the Turn, we like to cast the widest net possible when picking majors. Uh, the announcer of the podcast, my girlfriend, Lacey, she has a winner as well. It's your winner, Nick. You both got Rory. You both got Rory. Okay. Well, uh, Ashley has submitted her pick as uh, Bryson DeChambeau. So, <laughs> you know, he, he did he did win in 2020. He's a long hitter. She, she cited all these facts. Um, so she's pretty excited for that one as well. So... I am going to rip through the Mad Golfer of the Week so fast. It was nearly impossible to find someone who was upset at the country club. In fact, I had to go for a non-golfer to find someone. Again, if you want to submit your entry for Mad Golfer of the Week, go to attheturnpod at gmail.com. It's brought to you by T-Box Coffee, a roast-to-order coffee brand in the heart of Southern California, package for the golfer who can shoot 68, the golfer who shoots 112, and every score in between. Let T-Box Coffee Fuel your morning rounds, promo code TURN15 at checkout. This is Kim T. Quote, she starts, in interest of full disclosure, I don't play golf, and I didn't play golf here. In fact, I didn't even see this place in full daylight. I was there at night for a dinner for an interview. I had no idea that this place was some fancy place until people started talking about it. First off, those that claim it's the oldest country club in America are flat out wrong. There are country clubs that outdate it by nearly a century. 1882 isn't even that old, considering it's Boston. My buddy lives in a building older than that right now. Anyway, this review isn't about how old or first or not first this was a country club and a golf course. It's more of a plea that just because you are a member here, it's not a good idea to host an interview dinner here. The reason is because it's a bad venue to hold an event like that. The facilities are old and decrepit feeling. It smells too, and not in a good way. The waiters look like they are part-time kids from high school. Actually, they better be, or they are definitely breaking some child labor laws. The food had small portions, and it was not good probably because it was prepared by the aforementioned children. I think its primary reason why people host events here is because they are trying to impress others by showing off that they are a part of this exclusive club. However, those attempts will likely backfire if you are to explain what a big deal this place is to people that don't care about it in the first place. You're far better off booking a nice restaurant instead. Wow, that is Kim T. She is your mad golfer of the week. Wow. She couldn't be more wrong. That's incredible. I, that's and that's what was so funny about it, Dave. Is I had to really, really dig to find someone who said anything bad about this place, and Kim T fit the bill. She is off her rocker, man. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, I I can tell you firsthand, like the staff and the operation at the Country Club is world class. Like their golf professional staff is arguably the greatest in the country. Their their head golf professional Brendan is consummate professional. His tree is like Belichick's coaching tree, like where he's placed head professionals across the country. Incredible. Um, their general manager is the is first the first female general manager in the history of the club. She grew up there, family ties there. Like super cool story. Kristen uh, does an incredible job. Like it's such an operation there that I mean they don't allow themselves to do anything poorly. 
it's like so Kim T, I'm sorry she had a bad day, but I can't say enough about the country club and the way that they make everyone feel as guests or members. Like they do it really right and they've done it for a long eighteen eighty two was a long time ago. Yeah, it's not, it's not that old. I'm guessing time. Kim didn't get the job. Pound sand, Kim. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh Nick, we I, I think we had to cut off Nick rules for time today. Yeah, it's probably better that way. It's, it's probably for the best. Well, I'm, I'm sure there'll be some sort of terrible infraction at the U.S. Open that we'll have to break down. It'll likely involve Patrick Reed, so we'll have some fun with that. I have to once again thank our guest today, Dave McAdams, once again, the chief membership and head of experience for the Flyers Club. Please check out their organization. Book fabulous trips with them. It looks very, very cool. Dave, thank you for your time and for giving us a better chance to identify the U.S. Open champion. Absolutely, boys. Thanks so much. Really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, let's let's see who comes home uh, here at, at Brookline. I'm looking forward to, to taking it all in. Thanks, Dave. All right, guys. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.